Yeah, we'll just jump right in. Here, we're doing a late night session. It's late night. It's Saturday. We haven't recorded. Live from New York. It's Saturday night. Where there's no audience right now. Really? I heard I heard some drama was going down with Saturday Night Live. Well, Charlie XCX canceled because there wasn't enough crew to support her show. Yeah, everyone's getting Omicron. Omegang. I'm calling it Omegang. Everyone's I like getting... Omarion variant. That's only you. I think you're the only person who likes that. N- no, I mean, it came from Red Scare, but I think it's funny. Oh, boy. Anyway, welcome to Saturday Night Live. You'll probably hear this middle of next week at yeah, some, some point. point. <laughs> what was I fucking talking about? Oh, yeah. Ron, living, living with Ron in his liquor cabinet. Right. We're just jumping. Will and I were talking before we started recording. But uh, yeah, it worked get out. Get wine talk out of the way early that yeah, you don't I, have to listen to. I insisted that we get the wine talk out of the way, but we're going to talk about it more anyway. <laughs> uh, it worked out nice living with Ron because he drinks only whiskey when he drinks liquor. Oh. So... All the clears were fair game. I would buy my own bottle of tequila, which I would go through pretty quick. But when I would run out of tequila and didn't have a chance to procure another one, I would slowly go through his gin, slowly go through his vodka, and I cycled through the whole. Wasn't there a time I ran through the whole squad several times? Like a what's it called a uh, oh like a metal water bottle full of martini. Yeah, I used to do that for every podcast recording. It wasn't martinis. It was like a quadruple tequila soda. <laughs> okay. And I would make it in the martini shaker, and that way I Just could... Just take it upstairs. Yeah, take oh it upstairs. Boy. That way I could dispense it to myself without having to go downstairs. I uh-huh. always I always had a moment of shame during our Zoom era where we'd get done recording after a couple hours, and I'd be fucking hammered, and it would be like nine at night, and Ron would be like, you want to watch the news? And I'd be like, I just... No, I gotta go, go to bed. bed. <laughs> I didn't like having to go back downstairs. Yeah. So I would have to resort to it if I had to go to the bathroom. Oh, right. But. You never got like a closet bucket? That's disgusting. I can't believe. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even consider that. And you know how I am. You're not that gross. I'm almost that gross. I'm surprised I never thought of that. I, if I had thought of it, I would have. I what Not I, a Gatorade bottle? It's got a big hole? Not enough. That don't think that's enough volume. volume? You no. got to get a big Gatorade. Like the the big tall like liter bottles that they sell at gas stations in Ohio. Yeah, that's true. But I would just have to dump it out on the ground. I don't really like Gatorade that much. Yeah, that's fine. Just save yourself a little. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. I, I I was having a hard time when I was in Ohio. Anyway. Yeah, I don't imagine think peeing if, in bottles is really yeah. going to help your case for imagine, sanity. Yeah, no. Right. Mm-mm. Imagine having to sneak out to throw away pee bottles. Keep in mind that Ron worked from home, so he right. was rarely gone. It was hard to disguise my bad habits you know right that's true i forget about that that's why i was mostly on good behavior while i was there it kept me in check the shame since you have no shame i retroactively or reflexively have no shame Mm, i have some shame because i don't have to hide too many things Mm. do i have shame I, i this is a question i always have to ask myself do i have shame i have regrets but I don't know if I have shame. Wait, 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 wait. wait I might wait, actually flip it. What, what I don't have regrets. On? I don't know. I'm trying to think. That's a complete role reversal. I'm the regrets guy. We've talked oh, yeah, about yeah, yeah, this yeah. on the record. Yeah, so I was many trying times. to figure out like what what do I have? Do I have shame? I have guilt. I don't have shame. Don't steal valor from me, okay? Well, like you took it from the guy in the street at the army recruiting center. Oh, yesterday. Hey, listen, listen. I bravely walked by that real marine with my stolen valor, and <sighs> I I held my ground. I stood my ground. Okay. It was just a, I thought it was a gun. It wasn't a pack of Skittles. Okay. Um, that was dark. That was real dark. Um, yeah, wow. 
This is the PM. This is the PM show. <laughs> it's the darkest hour. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it kind of, is it? No, because we're getting towards the longer days. We're almost to the longer days. Longer Sundays. That's true. We're less than a week away, <sighs> I think. fucking Christ. I just need Christmas. To You're be not going to notice for a while, though. It takes till March for it mm, to really mm-mm. make a difference. No. Minutes matter. When you leave work at, when you're trapped in a casino of capital until 6 p.m., you're like, hmm, seems like there's a glimmer of light still in the air. It's not pitch black. You go, ah, spring is coming. All right. I mean, whatever. It's real. I promise. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, ooh, this keep, is... ta- keep talking. I'm hot. I got to take my sweater off. Okay. Boom, no, you don't. You don't like the. You don't like the the burlesque music. You're giving me the eyes of what are you doing? I hate that. I hate that so much. Oh no. I was hoping you would keep talking so that I would have something to respond to. No. What? No. I'm filling time. Here's the thing: when we record the podcast, just pretend we're having a conversation. Ugh. You you kick into this mode where your eyes go blank and you get scared, <laughs> and I can tell there's nothing filling your mind but like cartoons, <laughs> and then you start doing the soundtrack for them. That's not what I mean when I say speak. Talk. You could just say something. Well, I always get confused when you take the headphones off, too, because I'm like, can you actually hear me? I don't know. Technically, you can because I am <laughs> speaking, and it's not just the microphones that are attached. You're not plugged into the matrix of hearing. Right. But I get nervous because I'm in that, and I'm like, oh, he's in a different room. He's in a different world space. Oh, no. Will I be able to communicate? Oh, no. It's funny because I give you a hard time, but I know exactly what you mean. For and the then non- I panic. <laughs> For the non-podcast people out there, it is really different when you're both wearing headphones and you have the feedback of hearing yourself. Uh-huh. When you exit the headphone space, it doesn't feel like you're in the same conversation. Oh, no. Yeah. Fully different rooms. You're like, oof. Parallel universe here. Yeah, I don't like it. Mm-mm. I don't like trying to stitch, you know, stitch the multiverse together with my little magic fingies. Spoiler alert. Yeah, don't spoil don't spoil the Spider Man for people. I don't think anybody that listens to this cares, but no, I feel it'll sensitive come out, to it'll it. come out after the Monday embargo. It's fine. What do you mean they embargo spoilers on movies like this for the opening weekend and I then think, all well, the articles no, are just like most like on social media like Twitter dot com, people are like, I will have my real thoughts on Monday after you all have the chance to see it or get spoiled naturally in conversation. Yeah. Whatever. I mean that's an okay rule. I more or less support that. I'm kind of spoilers. Again, fuck spoilers. Spoilers are not real. Spoilers are absolutely real. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of sensitive to it for movies that I care even a little bit about. Listen, again, Dallas was a dream. JR did it or shot, Greedo shot first. Like, there's a lot, like, there's, who cares? I, I don't, there's nothing, like, massively, culturally, there's no zeitgeist culture thing that everyone was just like, you can't tell me anymore. No, there are things like that. You're just not a part of the community that cares. Yeah, right. Or you're just not the type of person that cares. No, I'd rather spoil it already so I know what I'm watching. I enjoy the magic experience of cinema and suspending my disbelief and being emotionally invested in a story, and spoilers disrupt that. Oh. If I'm going to pay to go to a movie, it helps to be invested in it, even if it's something schlocky like Spider-Man. What are you, Nicole Kidman? Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. It does. Okay. <laughs> I'm serious about that. I am very uh, affected by movies, and I like to maintain that space. Hmm. I do want to go to an AMC to, to watch that intro, that whole spiel, the Nicole Kidman spiel. Is that bad? 
I didn't know what you were talking about. What are you oh, talking about? Okay, so uh, before every AMC movie, there's a thing where Nicole K- Nicole Kidman comes in and goes, "Wonder, Majesty, the cinema. It's good to be back. I'm so glad to be walking through the doors and bl- whatever bullshit." And then she's like, "Heartbreak feels good in a place like this." And you're like, "Ma'am, what?" Um, I don't know, but I also I don't know. Going, I haven't seen a movie in a couple months. I think Piggy was the last one. Yeah, I think that's maybe the last movie I saw too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It. I, I like that like little magic feeling, like you know how uh, Elmo does the thing of like the, and then they show the like the um, moire pattern and the people going to the movies and having a good time. Yeah. Like, just to get you in the, like, we're in it together. Yay! Everybody shut the fuck up now. Like, they make, they have the, like, heartwarming moment, and then they have the, everybody gets serious. Boom, 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 boom. This is a quiet zone. Fuck you if you open up your goddamn phone. We're going to kick your ass out. Call a manager. Fuck you. Sit down, shut up, and order <laughs> some more food, piggies. Um, You know, it's really tender before that one. Um. Because it does set up the idea of, like, we're all in it together. And the Marvel movies do a really good job of setting up that cinematic space of, like, old school. Like, everyone's just quiet and eating popcorn quietly and just, like, wide-eyed, like, <gasps> movie! Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, people will hate on the Marvel movies for being, like, for kids or, you know, all this stuff. Never a quieter theater in the entire world. Yeah, that's true. Except that's... for the, woo! If you go to a Marvel times. movies on, on the first couple of days that they're out, people are respectful of the movie experience, which I like. But also, what I was going to say was that Marvel movies are like a throwback to large-scale blockbusters from like the 30s to the 70s. Yes, everyone like, would go see them and you would be... The Gone with the Winds, the Ben-Hur... Talkies, yeah. The, hu- the huge, like, big-budget movies of the day. That's what Marvel movies... They fill that cultural role now. Yeah. They're not as artistically sophisticated. Like, Spider-Man No Way Home is a fun movie with, like, lots of nostalgia and cool moments. I heard it, it described as a, a roller coaster ride that you have fun on. And well, I said, yeah, correct. That's what a good Marvel movie should be. Like when Martin Scorsese dismissively calls the Marvel movies just theme park rides, he's absolutely right about that. But that doesn't mean that they're not fun to watch. There's a function to that. Yeah, yeah, and I think like again, what when you have like a, a more you know an invested audience, whether that's due to you know nerd fandom or just like a ten year project of getting an entire billion dollar multi-billion dollar industry cottage industry going like you know you're gonna have people who are just gonna go up see it out of obligation or out of you know interest or out of hardcore fandom and you are gonna have that kind of thing of like reverence for movies in a way that like i don't know paranormal nine attack of the fucking hippies or whatever the fuck is not gonna (laughs) have you know like and it's kind of like I don't know. I think that's a nice experience where everyone's like, "We're here. We're respecting the 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 movie thing. We're not going to call it a film, right? You know, we know we're we're not in a film, right? So it's okay. Yeah, yeah. You're. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, something like a Paranormal Nine Attack of the Hippies. That's just a thing. We're going to for... be vaping and talking back at that movie. I don't know what to tell you. Like, right? Don't that's... go back in there. Don't go in there. That's just a thing for teenagers to be doing. I mean that because that's what you know that kind of movie and certain kinds of schlock are designed to kind of keep teenagers in a safe safe space while they like you know give each other like 
rub downs over jeans or whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, at least they're not doing drugs, which they did in the parking lot beforehand. Exactly right. You know, like we know this, but at least they're safe for two hours while they're tripping balls. You know, um, I just think of I'm having flashbacks. There was a movie called Swim Fan in the early aughts. I remember that movie. Yeah, Um, that was totally like a not no one should be watching this movie. I talked through the whole thing because I was like, ma'am, what are you doing? I was that guy. You were like a black woman at a Medea movie. Yes. I was like, Sherry Appleby, do not go in there. What are you doing? Oh my you God. dumb bitch. Cause it was it was the the idea of it is incredibly stupid. So I was like, I have no respect for this and fuck these people. Right. And everyone else was just like, What are you what? And I was like, Yes! Yes, fuck these people, they're dumb. It was great. But, you know, it kept, like, the couple, like, making out to the side while the other friends were, like, throwing popcorn and being dicks, you know. You need those safe spaces, which I like that more so than not, movies don't do that anymore. There's less, all bad, trashy movies are now just, like, Netflix and chill movies, so you don't have to go to the movie theater or watch the trash. You can watch it on a streaming, so you can do the stupid, like, oh, let's have a horse party and, uh," you know. Talk through the movie. The difference is now is the distraction in a movie theater is not people interacting with a movie, which I don't love. I avoided going to that type of movie at the theater pretty early on. Yeah. I would do that as a teenager, but at a certain point, no more. Because I don't want, I want to be immersed. I do not want to interact with the movie. I understand that that function is necessary for certain people and certain types of things. Yeah. The difference now is that what you can do with a schlocky movie that's on a home streaming service is be on your phone the whole time. Right. That's what I hate about going to a mediocre movie in the theater today. Can't go on phone. In a place that's not Alamo. Is Or people are on their phones. People are on their phone the whole movie. And that's so much worse than a little bit of talking during it. This is why going to Williamsburg is the worst thing. Because it could be like a regular movie and people are still just on their phones and you're like can you not please thank you i remember uh trevor telling me a story one time because his sister is a really rude person <laughs> like i don't even think that he would okay. have a problem with me saying that <laughs> okay she's like brusque rude in every okay. in every way and she went to a movie with he with him and his family one time and was just on her phone the entire time. And Trevor was like, hey, can you like put away your phone? And she's like, dude, it's not a big deal. It's fine to like be on your phone in a movie. No, you paid money. Shut, put the fucking phone away. But I genuinely think there is a type of person that, that thinks it's not a problem. Well, I mean, what you're describing is someone who doesn't think about other people, period, and exists that the world revolves around them. That's an awful lot of people now. That's so many people. I mean... You saw me last night responding to textual messages because people thought their world was collapsing. And I said, I'm trying to have dinner. What the fuck? Um, you know, I, you, selfish people. I mean, we're living in a world where selfish people are kind of like winning in the worst way. I think I know what you mean. But what are you alluding to? Well, you got a twofer. You got a twofer where like, you know, when you think about. I don't know. When you think about the way I think about this a lot in terms of the way that like service industry is calibrated, you're always trying to avoid like nasty bitchery from rearing its head. So you're always just like capitulating at the worst moment when people are like, I'm blah, 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 I did this and you're like, Okay, okay, uh, so like and you're like always sorry for 
no reason when you did nothing wrong because mistakes happen accidents happen and you go it was an oopsie but i don't know like not the end of the world but oh there's there's a sense of well my world collapsed for 16 minutes so fuck you and you're like whoa you need to calm your tits um and you know when we think about like vaccine problems or mask things or protesting outside of a cheesecake factory you know there there's that kind of like i want i want what's mine but it's not just it, it's not just hillbilly dumb it's also like i want what's mine like five minutes ago what are you doing like there's scales of it of of the selfish activity does that make sense or did i ramble i can't tell it's it, a it was a it's little a two-hander yeah it was a little rambly can you try it again <sighs> i just think like i you you have 15 seconds to get to the selfishness of it all to the so i what i understood of what you said was I, that there's two parts to the selfishness and you're trying to gesture towards different let, sca- me, let different, me try to distill let me try to okay. interact with you okay so you don't ramble again. i want to be clear i know so i'm trying to help you what I understood of what you said is that there's two parts of it, right? That there's a certain type of selfishness that manifests one way and a certain type of selfishness that manifests another way. Boil that down for me. Exactly what are you talking about? Point A, point B. I think, I think like, to be clearer is that there's a certain level of narcissism that is prized in culture that if you think about rise and grind culture and also about, like, you know, girl bossing and gatekeeping. Sorry, it's not going to ramble. It's going to be very short. That there is this sense of I get what's mine at the forefront of a lot of things. And whether that's, you know, the let me do what I want or I should get what I want. There is a sense of being withheld from that is somehow pervasive in culture. And it's, and it does stem from the idea of like not being able to do a lot for two years partially, but was that clearer or worse? It wasn't clearer, but I'm going to try to, keep going okay <laughs> um I, I, well i paused for a minute to think about that because i'm not sure it has i think the idea that covid is responsible for all this anxiety in a very superficial way is true so when you say everyone's pause on their lives for two years makes them feel like they're being withheld from yes but that's because the veneer has been stripped away. They've always been withheld from. Yeah. And this kind of attitude has always been, I was going to say under the surface, but it's always been it's pretty been, prevalent yeah. anyway. And just having like the final dignities finally removed. So like you're framing it as two parts in terms of people that complain at you at your job, like everyday people that just abuse um, retail employees that they have a little more dominion over. And the Cheesecake Factory people that are, like, upset that they have to wear a mask or whatever. Yeah, or get a shot. Yeah, yeah, to sit down. Yeah, but I think that's really indicative of something pretty profound that has a lot to do with their dignity. Not so much in the former case, but more in the latter case. The latter. I've been talking to you about the Cheesecake Factory people a little bit because I basically... They're doing it in the most dumb American way possible, much like the election of Donald Trump was a kind of outlet for something like dumb and gloriously American. I support the Cheesecake Factory people, basically. They're like, listen, my life fucking sucks. 
the one solace I have is going to Cheesecake Factory. That's so depressing. It's a it's a depressing it's expression, so depressing. but that is the American experience. And like, I don't want to have to get a shot for the rest of my life to do that. Like, I'm very very sympathetic to that attitude. I, I'm not gonna. It's the wrong outlet. My little bighorn is not the Cheesecake Factory, but no. I do have a little bighorn somewhere. Uh, like, I have yet to find it. And I don't want to like talk about it really on the podcast, but I've been contemplating it. Oh, you unzipped your pants? Just kidding. That was a bad joke. Um, <laughs> continue. <laughs> I'm trying to introduce levity. Oh. Anywho, derailed that too hard for you? Yeah. Sorry. You did the thing where I can't remember what room I'm in. <laughs> like, just sometimes that happens. Um, but yeah, do you get what I'm saying? Like I do. I mean, I when think... people's dignity is stripped from them, they're going to act out, and I don't really hold it against them for doing that. I uh, yeah. I never like the problem. Like when we were talking about the, to circle back, when we were talking about the people at the movies that are like rude and have their phone out and are affecting a bunch of people, I'm not sympathetic to those people. Nothing is being stripped from you by participating in a community experience of the magic of cinema, right? Right. So, like, disrupting that is just your prerogative to be an asshole. Yeah. But when things are being required of you at a larger scale yeah, that are, like, completely outside of your control yet affect you every second of your life, I get being mad about that. Right. But <clears throat> I think that there is a... Um... When you think about the American culture of narcissism, which we've glorified and paid handsomely for, you know, the past five, five years. I don't know. The the past 50. 50. Yeah. I mean, I think this is where we're coming to the head of like, you know, maybe, maybe don't, maybe just don't do that. Don't be that person. Um, because I think in the contemporary, it's just like, Hey, like, you live there's other people around just don't be that asshole with the phone on at the movie theater like what what do you have to gain by being bored around other people go be bored at you know if you don't want to be at the movie theater don't go right or leave like no one no one asked you no one required you to be present at this so you could have opted out but you just want to now shit on other people's experiences so like i think at this point you just have to be like if you only care about number one go do that elsewhere if you're trying to do something communal especially when as we've experienced in the past two weeks like communal things are a little bit more fragile right like if you want to go to dinner and hover over the bathroom seat and sit on your phone and you know live tweet instead of actually talking to people stay home piss on your own floor yeah, there was an incident at Trad Room in Brooklyn that, like, okay. listen, yeah. ladies, if you're out there... Don't hover! Don't, you're not going to get AIDS! Don't ever tell me that men are more disgusting than women in public restroom situations. It is not true. I mean, you've lived with ladies, right? Yes. Do you know how... it was? It's far more disgusting it is, than it's ever true. living it's with way, a dude. It's way worse. On every level. Almost. Hair clogs. Yeah. Live births in toilets, it looks like. If they don't flush, <laughs> you're like, ma'am, what are you doing? It's like, oh, God, like, it's it's not great. It's very bad. Anyway, I mean, the thing you're saying about, like, if you don't 
want to interact with society politely. If you don't want to do a communal thing, then just don't go. Yeah. It's the same argument, though, that people use against people that are reluctant about COVID measures. Mm. And I, mean, I yeah. And I think there is some overlap there, but too often there's too much conflation between, well, you're just a narcissist if you don't want to get a booster for the rest of your life. And it's like, no, that's not true. There is there is a profound difference between signing up for like a biopharmological industrial complex and using your phone at the movies. Yeah. But it conflates to the same thing because the only visible evidence of that is people protesting at the Cheesecake Factory. Right. And it's unfortunate <clears throat> that the, I think there's a lot of people that share a similar worldview to people they politically disagree with on a number of things that can't really express it articulately. I'm projecting now. Because you get lumped in yeah. with the worst representatives of your crowd. In the same sense that there's a lot of COVID-cautious people, but not COVID-paranoid people, yeah. that get conflated from my end with the double-masking, please continue to social distance, I wish there was lockdown forever, psychotic liberals. Yeah, those people. Oh, boy. I don't know. Weren't were you I, the I, other day going, can we have lockdown 2.0 on vacation forever? And I'm like, yes, vacation forever. No, I was, I was, not, I was not saying that, was that a joke, at all. Yeah. Like, like I, don't, I don't like that at all. I mean... We can't we can't talk about it on, on on here, but like, I will absolutely exploit other people's paranoia to my benefit. <laughs> Fair. If that's like the culture of narcissism, then guilty as charged. But like, it's just giving as much. I as think. You get, I, I you think know? that's a way out. You're just like, mm, I've been exploited. Can I exploit you back for a little bit? Thanks. Yeah. I think that's fine. I'm not really. I'm not really. Uh, fuck. Hold on, hold on. Pause. All right, rewind. Yeah, so where were we? Uh, the 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 paranoid people and the exploitation and can you exploit the thing that exploits you back? Yeah, that's an interesting idea. I mean, you know. in some ways, that feels like the only leverage that anybody has. I think this is what like in the meme space on social media is what like post irony actually means. Like the or actually demonstrably is yeah is people taking a stance in in russian it's called stobe where it's unclear whether you're being ironic or being earnest and it's interesting in in this hypothetical situation that we're talking about vis-a-vis covid and certain policies and stuff that it's actually become possible to manifest that in in real life Uh uh-huh I mean, and all you have to do is pretend one way or the other. It's a very easy game to and play, by the way. And it's very easy to conceal your real intentions with oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like you're you're playing mental chess, but the look of it is checkers. Does that make sense? 100%, yeah. That's exactly what it is. There's so... I mean... It's funny how much the Trump people had accurate terminology for things. 4D no. chess, deep oh, state. Boy. Things like this that are actually real things. That they identified like early on, again in their cheesecake factory yeah. loving way, they end up coming up with interesting concepts that apply pretty broadly. That they sort of misunderstood in the first place. It's it's a proposal of an idea that they're like, I haven't really fleshed it out, and you're like, okay, but what's the core? And they're like, well, it's this, and you're like, okay, that could apply to a lot, 
and thank you for that. But, but they have pretty good in, intuitions about what the circumstances are actually like. I don't know about that. Way would, better, way better than liberal elites have. I think I think they're better at identifying strategies for how things operate. I don't think it's necessarily about like clear identification of how power structures actually work i think they understand how the machinations work and that like this when you say like the idea of 40 chess it's like okay yes that is how the world works because we're we've you know the idea of like rhizomatic culture was developed in the 70s we haven't had a really new idea of you know schizophrenic culture in it in fucking 50 years right so the idea that it's not schizophrenic anymore it's on meds and now it's playing 40 chess okay great like good on you for like going no it's a little bit it's not it's not your highfalutin french bullshit and you're like okay it probably never was at least in america you know america the rhizome is 40 chess where it's like everything is planned like there's a lot of planning a lot of structures but it's like what are the actual structures they're like mm, it's this and you're like okay no but well, they QAnon, do. No, but well, look. You, well, yeah, you're making an interesting point that I completely agree with. I was trying to say a, a similar thing that they have a good intuition for the mechanics of what's going on, but not very accurate prescriptions of what's at the center of that. Because the reality is, what you're pointing out is that there is no center to it. That's actually decentralized. Yeah. So when they say something like the government is playing 4D chess, well, or Donald Trump is like. What that actually means is a complex interaction between all the different branches of government, the media, the deep state. What does the deep state even mean? That's also a complicated rhizome of also, different interacting Forbes one hundred, like you know, like yeah. it's not like it's not. It's just about power and capital. Like it's not. It's well, the people winning at that game. the the le- The left solution to the problem is equally simplistic. Like the DSA you know, LARPing communists on the internet would tell you that it's all power and money. And I think they're more right than they are wrong, but it's also too simple. It's not only that. It's not like... Cultural... Like, I have to basically fess up to something that I've been thinking about for a long time. That, like, in a a materialist analysis of history doesn't always make sense. And you do have to chalk up like cultural factors and philosophies and their impact on material reality. You have to factor that into your equation or you're doing too simple of math. So the Marxist idea that it's all stolen, it's all labor theory of value. It's all surplus value generated by labor that's being exploited by capitalists is mostly right as an analysis of one half of the equation, which is saying a lot. Getting 50% right is way more than people on the right ever get. But what what's missing is the social malaise and the and the in a, the the uh what's it called the the domino effect of how how like you know we were talking about yesterday like hmm, vibes are weird vibes are bad like there's no name for that and we've talked about before here where like you know there was an air in the was it the twenties or the thirties where something bad was going to happen uh before you know. Well, World the, War One. Yeah, before World War One, the canonical example is August nineteen fourteen. Yeah, every personal letter and basically document written at that time has the same thread going through them, which is just there's a feeling in the air and it's not good. Yeah, yeah, and I think like that's where the materialism 
example falls apart where it's like you can't account for the vibes man you know i don't think it falls apart in those examples what a materialist would say is that it's the underlying socioeconomic conditions that generate this sense of malaise which i think is absolutely true but what they can at least as far as i know speaking as an amateur in these spaces is like what they cannot account for is Okay, but what comes after that? How does the social malaise then feed back onto the material conditions? Because it does. Yeah. You know, like, like yes, the massive inequality in our world and the profit motive behind pharmaceutical companies is what's generating a lot of the tense anxiety of this particular pandemic moment, right? right. But once somebody protests at the Cheesecake Factory, like... Now you have the social malaise and the abstraction and I- and idealism interacting with the material reality, and it's changed it. And now with an icing of absurdity. Yeah, a lot of the time, yeah. You know, like this is where this is where I kind of like, I'm like, vibes are bad because the absurdity is reaching a level of like, you know, what is going on? You know, like that kind of you know, madman like. Uh, Betty Draper freaking out. What is happening? It's like, ma'am, you you saw what what just got happened. You know, guy who killed JFK is getting shot right now on TV. Well, I don't know what to tell you, ma'am. Like, granted, like we don't have that level of trauma now. It's just I can't get my cheesecake, and you're like, okay, it's a pe- what? It's a peculiar condition though of twentieth and twenty first century life that once every three generations you lose contact with history and the chaotic situation seems more foreign than the stable one. Yeah. That's very unusual in general. Right. And it makes the situation worse when you have a generation or two that has no interaction with history and then comes face to face with it in certain critical moments. They make bad decisions within those moments. Because they're not trained to adapt to... I mean, which is insane because... You have training ground abound. You have nine eleven. You have a financial crisis. Like everyone should be well adapted, but those things clarified that no, at least on the American side, no one had any sort of historical sense to have like Black Monday as a as a callback or to have Pearl Harbor. Like no one was just like, oh, we we as Americans know how to do this culturally. Um, we're just going to panic and feel bad or do or shut down and do nothing and then just freak out. Too much time had passed between the Great Depression and World War II until 9-11 yeah. for there to be any cultural memory of what to do in situations like this. So the people in charge made a lot of really, really bad catastrophic decisions. And then the same thing happened in the financial crisis. The same thing is happening now. Yeah. You know, like revisiting the World War, the World Wars... But World War II in particular, because that's the American war, at least as far as it's presented to us, right? Right. We didn't have much to do with World War One in a direct way. Yeah, we sent English actors to go find concent- concentration camps as part of the American army. <laughs> yeah, we just watched Band of Brothers, by the way. So many English people. Yeah. Anyway, but re- revisiting the World Wars... And David Schwimmer. <laughs> he didn't have any action, right? Poor Sobel. Anyway, he was such a cunt. It's fine. Um, continue. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I like, hate that man. Um, 
Continue. Again, what room am I in? Okay. Get back. back. Get back to the idea that the timeline of American reaction to uh, the the American social panic room is in disarray at all times. Right. And in revisiting World War II or the World Wars in general, what freaks me out right now is a miscalculation because COVID's just the beginning. Like, I don't think I'll be the first to say that, like, the... As bad as it seems right now with the things that are being imposed on us and the chaos and malaise that everyone is feeling in the vibes, right? It's going to get way worse in the coming years in ways that we can't quite predict, but the tendrils of it are already kind of out there and you can see them coming and you can see much more catastrophic situations, meaning wars, right there not that far away and envisioning an entire country that's been exposed as a complete sham i mean after covid you know having the highest death toll in the entire world having the january 6th happen which i'm not even really an alarmist about but honestly like if that was happening in another country what would you think of them Benghazi, her emails right um I I don't know. I So imagining can, wait, can imagining, we circle back? Can I finish my yes, thought real quick? Yeah. Just like imagining the cadre of leaders that we have trying to make the right decisions in upcoming catastrophes, whatever they are, whether they're climate related or Which war be, related yeah. or both. Yeah. More likely. Is it almost impossible? They're going to miscalculate somewhere. And miscalculations when it gets any higher than a pandemic level threat when it gets to a nation state level threat, when it gets to a climate level threat are going to be so bad that things are going to change dramatically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's my pessimistic worldview coming out, but I don't think it's wrong. I don't know. As, as I learned, you know, in the past few days, I should probably just move to France now. Just get it out of the way. Not that that's going to be great, but you know, Mine's still going to be good for a while until the water runs out. But the Alps are pretty snow-covered, so don't really have to worry about that. Um, no, I did want to a- ask, like, in the middle of that, like, where, you know, where were you on January 6th? Because I, I had the, you know, great displeasure of being on forced vacation while that was happening. So I had no choice but to be a crazy person stir crazy person and then also a crazy person going what the fuck is happening and then just on my phone until four in the morning well it's interesting that we're doing this when the year anniversary is coming up Oopsies. but also our listeners can refer back to a podcast i think that we had the day after because i remember no. we, the day after or two days after i remember recording with you I think it was a thursday very soon after that happened um but i was at work I was at the museum in Cleveland and I was working and I remember on my lunch break checking my phone and realizing what was happening and so did everybody else and we were just kind of like, oh, that's kind of crazy, right? And then I came home and I watched the evening news with my dad where it was on and I remember him just saying like, oh, it's a really sad moment. And I don't know, my opinion at the time, I think, and my opinion still is mostly it was just a clown show. It's like not that big of a deal. I Mm. mean, in optically it's really bad i mean it makes our country vulnerable on every level diplomatically militarily like it looks bad for us 
the only update I have to my January 6th feelings are that I, I think it's increasingly clear that there was government involvement in that. Um, I don't know what that means exactly. I think it was almost certainly encouraged by deep yeah. state actors. Not even deep state. Just No, I mean, yes, mm. by, in, by intelligence agencies. There was a, a person there, a woman that was um, later revealed to be like some sort of officer in the office of like psychological engagement uh, for the army, I think. Oh, boy. Um, a bunch of people that have been positively identified but never charged were on video like spurring this along. Oh, that's very bad. Meanwhile, like the QAnon shaman got a bunch of months in prison, maybe years. I think he got four yeah, years. Yeah. So it's clear that this was taken advantage of. Yeah. Never let a good crisis go to waste. Right. And even if all of the theories about like deep state plants in the crowds and things aren't true, it's certainly been used as a propaganda weapon in that way, internally and externally, to polarize people and weaken the country. Hmm. So it was not a good situation, but not for the reason that brain dead liberals think it was bad. If you honestly think that a bunch of like fat boomers were going to overthrow the country right. in that moment, you're an idiot. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You just, I don't know. Once that video came out of like the, that, like garage door, like the safety barrier coming down and then people like pushing it back up. I was like, uh, what? Why were those garage doors not down far earlier? You go, what the fuck is going on? I don't know. Um, also, if you don't think Capitol Police could have mowed down every single person. Well, yeah. I mean, all you have to do. But the optics of doing that would be absolutely catastrophic on a global stage. I don't think so. Not really. I think it would have, I think it would have been justifiable. But all you have to know is look at pictures of Black Lives Matter's Black Lives Matter protests in the same locations and the amount of force that was there right, willing right. to squash that versus what was there for that style of protest and ask yourself what kind of country do you live in? It's really ironic, right, for like liberals to basically be like government-supporting, mandate-supporting people at every level, but that's what your government supports. Like, it's right. okay if there's a retard beer hall push. <laughs> but Title if, of that. <laughs> you just have to do our stars. Yeah. But if there's even some semblance of a left wing idea. Shut it down. You're going to yeah. have Blood more than the Capitol Police there. You're going to have the military there. Right. Oh, boy. So, yeah, I, I really, you know, our... You know, it's that meme of like the the two Nazis from Monty, Monty Python looking at each other and going, "Are we the baddies?" I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Well, you get the idea, right? Sure. It's a lampooning of the Nazis. It's two guys dressed as Nazis, and they look at each other and they go, "Are we the bad guys?" Oh boy. And I think America is having a collective moment to analogize it to another meme of like the Spider Mans all pointing at each other. Oh going, right, like, we're the bad guys. Yeah. And it Ooh, make... that's funny. The meme had three and so does the... Oops. Yeah, they did it in the movie. They did pointing? Yeah. I missed that. When they were in the science lab, they I don't, all... I do don't the... know enough. Ned says, Peter. And oh, they're all they... like, Peter. Yeah. 
anyway. Oops. Missed that one. Um, anywho. Um, but yeah, it's a bad situation. And, and to sort of return to 10 minutes ago, <laughs> like the idea of anybody making good decisions within this complicated framework yeah. is what scares me to death. Well, I mean, I, I, cause it's not going to happen. It's going to get worse. I also think like what we're, you know, a lot of, uh, I don't know. I, I, this is a sidebar that makes sense. There is now Ikea released a catalog or a series of images that has Angela, Mer- Angela Merkel in a Svalbard or whatever the fuck chair. Just as a, oh, you're going out. All right, we're going to put you in a chair like as an honorarium. And I'm like, okay, this is what we thought of as Europe's smartest woman. And then we you have the Obama like hot playlist tracks. And here's our podcast. And I'm like, I have a podcast too. Can I be president? Am I the smartest person in America right now? We know that's not true. Like you're just like, there's a lot of, retroactive like for centrist realization of just like wait what now they're just add add people they're just add people you're trying to sell me a master class you know like i i I would hope that there's not a lot of earnest like i need to listen to how to girl boss gatekeep and goon and bait from uh hillary clinton you know like, but I think that there are going to be a lot of people who are like, I need to hear her story. I need to hear her acceptance speech at the Oscars. I mean, the, the, what do you do when you accept the presidency? What's it called? The presidential acceptance? <laughs> uh, what are you, what are you called? talking about? When they give their speech at their inauguration? Yeah. She read her speech in her master class. Right. And anyway. Her, and she cried and everybody was sad. Or sure. Whatever. Yeah. But like, I think like what we're realizing is like, ooh, oopsies. 2007 was kind of a hot ass mess. Like, I don't, the, the whole idea of like what we, what we put our, our, the eggs in the basket of centrism in America is like showing their ass in the worst way of like earnest and terrible. Well, Maybe this maybe is, not earnest. Maybe yeah. this is too specific, but hear it out for a second. I mean, I think the legacy of Barack Obama is what's on trial here. One of the greatest snake oil peddlers in all of political history. Um, having the Shepherd Fairy poster that said "Hope" by choice or by oopsies. No, mm. I think it was pretty calculated. Like Barack Obama will always have his place in U.S. presidential history as the first black president. Like that can never be displaced. That is important on a certain level. Um, but it, but let me continue. When, will he ever be? But when this shake will, uh, when this shakes out on the level of policy and the, on the level of promises and actions that should have been taken, he was a catastrophe. I'm gonna type something because I, I don't want to be on record saying this. Will typed, will he be outed as the first <laughs> Uncle Tom president? And the answer is yes. I feel it. I don't know. I, ooh. I, and, and that, and well, the thing is, you have to look at the term Uncle Tom as meaning something different than simply just like just the, yeah. betraying black people. What he did was sell snake oil to a larger population that believed in a new version of identity, a new version of youth that would re-enfranchise neoliberalism and drag us from the brink of disaster to something like FDR. Yeah. And he totally fucking blew it. Well, he blew a lot of, you, you blew can, up a lot of people in drones in 
look, you it's, know, it's always counterfactual. It's always alt historical, but you can trace back the chain of disasters directly to Barack Obama, because obviously George W. Bush was a disaster. George W. Bush was also not, he was the figurehead. He wasn't actually pulling any strings. We know it was Uncle Dick. That that may or may not be true, but that's but that's not the point. Like if if you want to draw the arbitrary line at somewhere in the mid aughts, because really you could draw it back to fifty years ago. Really, you right, could draw yeah. it back farther than that. It, all of these things. Even the peanut farmer is not guilt. Not not guilty. Jimmy Carter's guilty of a lot too. Like all of these things are contingent, and there's always a danger when you're looking at history of applying your contemporary morality to the decisions right. that people actually had at the yeah. time. But I think you can say, because it is pretty recent in history, and you can look at the catastrophic effects of it, that Barack Obama made almost all the worst decisions to his own benefit his entire presidency for two terms. There would be no Donald Trump if I Barack Obama followed through on anything that he actually I, w- I would say to. not to his benefit. I think to his ultimate failure of his legacy. Maybe to the ultimate failure of his legacy, but that's not what I mean by his benefit. What I mean by his benefit is jet skiing with Richard Branson. What I mean by his benefit is taking public Chicago land for his private presidential library. What I mean by his benefit is getting Netflix specials and book deals out of his presidency. That's all he ever wanted. No. He wanted to be a celebrity and he got it. He sat in the presidency and watched himself do it rather than take any action. Which is also what Donald Trump did. Yeah, I think, th- but I think that's what you do in that position. In in a position of that much power, at the point that America is at now, I think like when you are at the seat of power, all you do is act like a Roman emperor. We have become acculturated to that, and that has largely been true probably since Lyndon Johnson. Yes, but that's why you could trace it back to fifty years ago. Yeah, I mean. I- Maybe Richard Nixon was the last president that had any real authority as an executive, that had any real like political power, but that all of this yeah, has it a wasn't lot great. All of this has a lot to do with the shifting and changing of the way the legislature works and the way the judiciary works and the way that the public opinion works and the fourth estate works. Like all of these things are operating at, on each other simultaneously. I mean, I- but it was given up by the time Reagan was president. Listen, that is for sure. You know, Nancy threw through some some good neck apparently throat goat <laughs> never want to hear that word ever again um i i do think like i don't know i do think at this point in history or whatever the idea of being a leader is now based on the idea of being a really good communicator even though you may or may not believe what you have to say you just have to be a really good go-between between everything happening behind the scenes that you can't let other people know are happening and how you have to rally whatever troops, whether that's the American public. I know that's really bad because that's not leadership. Um, but I think like if you are in a position of power and you know, whatever small kingdom that I have, I'm always just like, I'm just your really great communicator. I am the communications base. This is what I do. I am the locus of communication. You all enact it. I receive it. You know, I pass it along. You know, I, I'm just a nexus. When you have a certain point where you have any power over any other person or any other action, your real position is, because basically the president is America's manager, right? Your position is just to be 
the guy making everybody look good and sending along messages. Because as president, you're just being like, oh, I heard that from Angela Merkel. Got to send it off to the Fed. Let's just, you all start strategizing. I'm going to be light on my feet and keep it keep it cute. Um, but can you give me, I need something in my, my earpiece to respond with. You know, your job is just to be a nexus. You're absolutely right about that. And I don't think you'll be shocked to find that I completely agree with you. What's interesting to me is like, where did that begin? Because that wasn't always true. And I have to imagine that you would agree with me when I say that Donald Trump absolutely blew that up. Ooh, not yeah. not in the sense that he's a bad communicator, but what he realized is you only need to energize a certain base of yours and you can frankly ignore everybody else. You don't have to be a good communicator writ large, which is what Obama was. Yeah. You only have to communicate to the people that will get you elected and will get fired up. It's interesting thinking about Joe Biden in this light because he's declined either of these invitations. Right. And he's just a nothing. Uh, and he's, well, that's why Trump's going to win again. But anyway, what what I'm curious about is where you think that began. Because I think I know where that m- more or less started. Kennedy. No. I mean I mean F- think think FDR, about think I mean, about how many think about how many quotable lines there are from Kennedy and FDR. Yes, they were good communicators in chief and that was part of their mandate, but they did it for the public at large. Yeah. They also wielded a lot of executive authority. You know, right, yeah. The yeah, main yeah. the main reason that people think that Kennedy was maybe assassinated by the CIA was that he was going against the deep state and the military to make moves to make peace with the Soviet Union, and they didn't want that. Right. What do we have then? He had executive authority. So did Lyndon Johnson. I mean, there's even a c- conspiracy theory, and I would say it's... But Johnson was a go-along, get-along guy with the... Absolutely military. not. Really? No. Uh, Lyndon Johnson was go-along, get-along get with the military situation in Vietnam because at that point it had become such a quagmire beyond his control mm, right. that he couldn't do anything about it. That's the reason he declined to run for a second term even though he could have. He didn't want to be president during the military didn't situation. Didn't JFK try to avoid Vietnam, period? We were already in Vietnam by the time that John F. Kennedy was president. But he was like, can we get out of this, please? He was trying to scale it back. Again, this is one of the reasons put forward for why he was assassinated by our own government. Hmm. Well, anyway, my, my, my point is this. When you're talking about people that are communicators-in-chief that are the manager of the government... This is a neoliberal innovation. Right. Enculturating the population. The president shouldn't be a PMC. Enculturating the population to the idea that basically this is a retail manager and much like the mayor of New York, they're just someone to get mad at with no real power. That's insane. That Because we don't have a separate head of state and executive, right? Right. Like a lot of European countries have. Right, 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 right. If there's we no did, PM, that yeah. would make sense because the president of the country could just be like a mayor of a city where you just get mad at them. But there was a prime minister that had some actual authority. We need a queen. We need a queen to bitch at. Our person with authority has none. Yeah. Hmm. And we've gotten used to that idea. We let that go at a certain point. I mean, I don't know. I Do you think that the person who's in charge of like the PR of America should also have the keys to the war machine. Cause that's what we have. Like that's what's written in the constitution. Of, like, no, I mean, this is, why, war. this is why parliamentary systems are better than what we have. That's 
Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Is like, but only slightly. You run into the same problems anyway. Like, it's a really interesting question: how much authority should be vested in figureheads or leaders of government at all? Because seemingly all the Western democracies are running into the same problems. China's not running into this problem. Authoritarian countries don't run into this problem. Well, they don't run into any problems because the problems are extinct. No, no, no. no. They, they, have, they have all the same problems that we have in terms of internal strife and stuff, but when you have a centralized authority, you have the ability to take action quickly, which mm. we don't have. Right. Neither does Germany, neither does the UK. This is why we don't, as New Yorkers, just begin our strike on Staten Island, the Hong Kong of New York. If they started a Staten Island freedom movement, I would absolutely support it. They should secede from New York. The micro- Jersey can have you. It's fine. They don't even want to be part of Jersey. Just the micro state of Staten Island. Ooh, take it. Sure. They 51. Should, they should do that. That would be great. The tiniest star on the flag. Well, you know. Them and Puerto Rico just link up. To There's future- a lot of Puerto Ricans. In to future cast for a second. <laughs> when Donald Trump wins again. It won't happen. He's not going to run again. There's no fucking way. He is going calm, to be the president in 2020. Calm it down. I don't think it's going to Okay, happen. whatever. I mean, I- I'll put money on it right now. As much as you want. I guarantee to you it's going to happen. No. If that happens, I'm just going to move to Ger- Not Germany. Oh, well, Bergen. I could go to Berlin. Fine. Just I to- could be fat and, fat and gay in Berlin. Mm, yeah, that's true. Actually, you'd get along well there. Yeah, wouldn't be bad. Eat sausages. There's plenty of twinks from so many potatoes Turkey or whatever. Ew, what? they're very hairy. Don't want that. Anyway, <laughs> listen. Never fucked an Egyptian before. I'm just kidding. Anywho, not kidding. Not kidding for me, but kidding. Kidding as a proposition. Anywho, moving on. Anyway, let's cast out into the future for a moment. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is the president, right? Gotta go. Republicans start to do their based right-wing nationalism all over the place. Because at this point, they have the Supreme Court. They now have just a fucking mandate. They have the entire government. They can do whatever they want. I don't think it's impossible that California, New York, maybe Illinois, certain liberal states just secede. secede. Civil War II. Which is insane if you really think about that. Because if the if the Republicans decide to make an issue of it and put the military against those states and say, no, you have no right to do it, because, listen, the American Civil War sets a lot of precedents for this. You yeah. cannot just unilaterally do that. Yeah. If, if they want to send the military into New York and say, no, you are part of the United States. They can't fit on our streets. What's New York going to do about it? Nothing. We're going to get our Tims on they're gonna and have go to dead ass it. on their But let's, but let's you know. say for a second they allow it. Hmm. Right? And you have countries that or countries. You have states that secede and form their own thing. What do you do at that point? Because there's a way more than non-zero chance that this is happening. I mean, I've I've talked about the great state of New York City as the ideal. I mean, I don't know. I I I think at this point, like. Yeah, but think it, think it, think it through. This this reminds me of the conversation about imagine if you were rich. Like, I'm genuinely asking you to use your imagination in that situation. Do you actually want to live here? I mean, I don't know, um, because then you can't leave. Right. And, like, 
I've been through two years of not being able to leave, and I don't know if I really want to do that anymore. I like, you know, part of the idea of being able to get the fuck out whenever you want to, whether that's going to New Jersey, going to, you know, Westchester, going to anywhere the fuck that you can't go to Connecticut. You can't. So, like, you're like, what the fuck? What's the point of being in a city? The whole point of being in a city is that you live there most of the time and you get to leave and go to country when you want to. Because you have that kind of power and excess of wealth. Rich! Um, but also, like, I don't know. I don't want to, like, escape, flee to Ohio or whatever and be like, oh, I found my, my home in the country. I'd rather die. Um, well, there's a lot of politically homeless people that would be left in a weird situation. Like, speaking from my perspective... If New York the, is not a city of New Yorkers. No. Anymore. Neither is the entire state of California, really. Right. So, what do you do if you're the type of person that, I don't want to live in Josh Hawley and Ben Shapiro's, you know, America. religious yeah. Republican America, but I also don't want to live in... Andrew Cuomo slash Kathy Hochul and Gavin Newsom's uh, paranoid liberal fascism either, because to me it's the same thing. It's you're, equally stupid. You're you're stuck between two equally stupid paranoid versions of fascism. Who don't? Who wouldn't call it that? Neither of them would call it that, but they're both along those lines. Yeah. What do you actually do? It's a genuine oui, oui, problem. It's a genuine problem. Look, it's it's all fantasy. It's not likely to go down in this way exactly. But some version of this is already presenting itself. So when you see people protesting at the Cheesecake Factory and you're like, these are dumb right-wingers, and you see paranoid liberals on the subway with five masks on, you're already living in... The, fucking, the cold civil yeah, war. Yeah. So what if it goes hot? And I really don't know what I would do. It, it's it 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 turns my brain into soup. Again, I, I you know because imagine can I can I yeah. lay out a parallel example that might help elucidate the trouble? Is now all of a sudden it's 1942. You used to be living in Paris. And you loved that when it was France. But now it's Vichy. Ooh, gotta go. And your two options are you can run to Berlin, Ooh. which are the obvious problem. That's gonna be a problem, yeah. Or what? You run to the rest of France, which is also Vichy. At least they had you the UK up. or the United States or other places to go to. We do not have a third option. Your third option is China. Do you want to live there? I don't I don't necessarily know if I want to do that either. I love dim sum, so I would fucking thrive. Couldn't speak the language, but I would be like, mm. What we have to pick from is three different versions of authoritarianism. We don't have a liberal democra democratic outlook. I don't have the money to live in China. Actually, you do, probably. No, it's fucking expensive as shit there. If you live in a huge city. Yeah. Yeah, which I guess is what you'd have to do. Hello. I don't know. Learning another language, all this stuff. But wh what I'm trying to get at is like, we are in a global situation that has no parallel. There is no good option for someone with a morality, with a consciousness that is Canada trying to be ethical. I mean, Canada's, Canada's way worse fucked. than yeah. here. I, Canada's yeah. a huge version of New York City. 
I don't want to live there. But Toronto's gay. Um, that was a joke. <sighs> Just like Canada. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I was getting uh Instagram ads of like, hey, are you a little bit Irish? You want to get your Irish passport if you claim it? And I was like, yes. I don't think I can. I don't know if I can do that. Um, but I was like, oh, that sounds good. Go on the Rolling Greens. Scotland's right there. You're like, I love sheep. I'll be a sheep farmer. Fuck yeah. They're all short. I'd be a tall king. <laughs> <laughs> sounds great. Yeah. I don't know. What do we? I would work at the pub. Maybe. Yeah, sure. Or with the sheep, or I would sell the Irish shoes. I don't know. I can't imagine you on a farm. You know it smells bad on farms. It does. And you would smell bad Ew. as a result of Why? working there. I would take showers and baths. No, because animals smell bad, you know. But they're also delicious, so you could just be like, y'all want some steak? Hold on. Brenda's going to get it right now if you want a steak. I'll take her out right now. Listen, mutton is good, but if you got to be friends with Bessie... You'd shaved her over the course of several seasons. I was probably wearing her already as a nice sweater. Nice sweaters for people, but she's alive while you're doing that. And now you got to kill her? Maybe she's a little old and she's got to go out back. We're going to have some aged some aged lamb shank. Old meat is tough and gamey. It's not very edible. That's why lamb is a thing, just so you know. Well, I'm not attached to Bessie's kids. <laughs> she's attached to them. You're just I'm pimping not. out Bessie, like, hey, turn him out as fast as possible because Papa's, Papa's hungry. <laughs> I got some mint jelly ready, bitch. You ready to meet uh, Henry over there? Henry, Henry's going to fill you up. And then I'm going to shear you. And then in about six years, you're going to be my aged flank steak. Thank you so much. No, I could never last on a farm. What are you fucking, what am I talking about? I'd die. All deeply metaphorical. <sighs> Happy Christmas, everyone. Eat your lamb now.